0: Book of First Corinthians chapter number 6 and we're going to begin our reading at verse number 18. Now, as, we, as you turn there and we pop this up, we're going to read it from the King James version of the scripture. But we left off to here on last week because we, as we come down to the tail end of this series on the spirit of generosity, you ought to know by now that the spirit of generosity encompasses way more than just uh, financial contributions, Financial contribution is very important to the, to the body of Christ and for us as individual believers because the Bible says where a man's treasure is, their will is what? Heart be also. So we know and understand that it's important for us to be supportive of the work of ministry whom we connect it to. We support the work of ministry through our tithes, offerings, and sacrificial givings. Amen. That should be, that's the requirement for every believer who's a part of this fellowship. I don't beat you over the head. I'll teach you and I'll exhort you. But the spirit of generosity encompasses much more than that. And one of the reasons why we should operate in the spirit of generosity is because our God who saved us is a generous God. How many of y'all know he's generous? John three sixteen 16, God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God gave his very best. And when you look throughout scripture, you see the hand of God moving in the lives of his people to bring them to that state that he he desired to have them at. He's a generous God. So if we belong to him, come on, then we should have a spirit of generosity also. Can I get a witness? That is critical because it is in our nature to be selfish. Can I preach to this side of the church over here? It is in our nature to be selfish. It is in our nature not to give of our time to somebody else. It's within our nature to stay in our house and don't go to anybody else's house and don't let nobody come over to our house. Ministry of hospitality, we talk about that, we preached about that, it's in the Bible. And so, so it's important that we understand the nature of our God And as being born of God, we should carry his character into the earth realm. We are supposed to be what ambassadors for Christ. Now, again, I understand because I've been in this thing for a long time. I understand as your pastor, everybody is not willing to follow along God's pathway because of our selfish nature. If the truth be told, Camille, all of us got some selfishness in us. All of us want to kind of do things our way, including me. But you know what God has done? God, God, in 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 this, in the time that I'm living in now, I feel such a sense of urgency to to do the will of God that I said, God, however you want to mold me, however you want to shape me. I'm going to let self get out of the way and I'm going to let you live in me. I want to be like the Apostle Paul. Y'all hear me quote it all the time. Galatians chapter number two, verse number 20. Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, what? I live, not I, but Christ lived in me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. How many of you are willing to let go and let God? How many of you are truly willing to say, you know what, pastor, I've been a little bit selfish. I want things my way. I want, you know, and I I like to do church my way. I like to do life my way. I like to raise my family my way. When God is saying, listen, hey, 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 you belong to me. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which both belong to God. So look at our scripture text here. Paul is writing, correct? He's writing to the church at Corinth. Now, remember, I told you on last week, I believe it was last week. We, would, we, we, we need to understand the environment in which this Corinthian church existed. Are you tracking with me? Because if you don't understand the context, you won't fully be able to grasp the, the, the urgency of what Paul is telling the church at Corinth here. Particularly about this last section of generosity when we give our bodies to the Lord. All of y'all in here have a body. I'm looking at you. And that body of yours belongs to God, and God desires to use your body, its faculties, its abilities, to to, to represent him and to do kingdom business. First Corinthians chapter number six. Look at verse number 18 with me right quick. Text says, it says what? Flee fornication. Fornication is a fancy word for sexual impurity, sexual immorality. All right. So, again, the context in Corinth, sexual, the culture was awash in sexual decadence. I told you on last week. In other words, any and everything was going on. Some of y'all look at what's happening in today's society. You think, oh, my goodness. It ain't never been like this before. Yes, it has. There is nothing new under the sun. Have you all checked out Sodom and Gomorrah and found out what was going on in that culture? Listen, guys, what's happening in our culture today, although it may shock you, it doesn't shock God, because this kind of stuff has been in the heart of men for centuries, for ages. Are y'all track with today? So he tells them, so because the church was there in Corinth, the, the, the city, uh, the, the area was awash in sexual immorality. They had a temple a, a temple where the priestess uh, a- Aphrodite, the temple of the, the goddess Aphrodite existed. And I told you on last week, uh, the, the temple of the goddess Aphrodite, men would go in and have sex with temple prostitutes as a part of their, quote, worship experience. Are you tracking with me? So out of that, people got saved and came in to following Jesus but they brought some of the old ways and some of the old way of thinking into the new life. And as I said before, all of us have to battle bringing our old way of thinking into the new life and trying to shape the new life to be like our old life. Because our old life is what we were comfortable with. Let me share something with you right this Just a little sidebar. But y'all remember, uh, I shared this with y'all a, a while back, but I, wanna, I want to reiterate it and get you to see what's happening In your life as a believer, I know inherently all of us, if we're not careful, can be stubborn people. Let me say it again. I said all of us. ever say all all of us can inherently be selfish people because that is our natural bent. We were born in sin and we were shaped in iniquity. And by that, I mean, so, so, so even though we are born-again believers and we've been bought with the price, we have the tendency to still want to do life our way. Because that's what we're accustomed to. And we don't like, like getting out of our comfort zone. But God says, if I am going to use you at maximum performance... If you're going to, like I told you about the, the, the owner's manual in your car, if you're going to operate that vehicle at maximum performance and get peak performance out of it, you need to read the owner's, owner's manual to tell you how many, how, after how many miles you need to charge, change your oil, rotate your tires, get a, get a tune-up, or do whatever it needs to be done, how to operate the buttons on the screen. Come on, how many, I, I tell you, how many of y'all like me? There are buttons... In your vehicle, you have no clue what they're there for. And think about this. You are, you are missing out on, on, on some things that could, could could bring you greater comfort while you drive, but you don't know. And you don't know what you don't know. Because you hadn't opened the owner's manual. See, here's what you got to realize. From the moment that we become a born-again believer, God... Is setting us on a pathway for transformation. Everybody say transformation. And I don't care who you are, I don't care how long you've been saved, I don't care how long you've been walking with the Lord, every day that we live, God is seeking to transform us more and more to be like the image of his dear son. But transformation begins with renewing your mind. Can I take a sidebar here? Go to Romans the 12th chapter. Verses one and two. I love this passage of scripture because it, it embodies what we as the body of believer have to have to get to. Now listen, I, I'm gonna tell y'all something. If you are not willing to allow God to change your thought life through the avenue of his word, you'll never experience true transformation at the level that God wants you to experience. And what will end up happening is you'll start viewing Christianity through the prism of your own experiences, your your own uh, uh, way of doing life, your family of origins way of doing life, your old church way of doing church. And God is saying, I need you to give your whole stubborn self to me and let me transform you so I can use you to advance my kingdom agenda. All right. Now, watch the text here. Are you all there with me? Romans, chapter twelve. who's writing here? Paul is. He's writing to the saints at Rome. Notice what the text says. Let's read. And so, dear brothers and sisters, he's talking to born-again believers. Watch this. I plead with you to give your, to, to do what? Give to give your what? Five. How many of y'all have a body? Everybody. Everybody's up here, right? Those that are online, do you have a body? Talk to me. All right. I heard the online folks say, yeah, we got one pastor. I heard him in the spirit. Okay, watch this. He says, I plead with you. I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Now, notice he's talking to Christians, but he's having Bobby to plead with them. To do what? To give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them, our bodies be a what? Living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly. Now watch this. Most of y'all come up here and think worship is about singing songs. If you ask the average person what is worship, oh, we we had great worship today. We praised the Lord. We waved our hands. But true worship, the true way to worship Him, is by what. Let your body be a living and holy sacrifice. By, by doing what he said, give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. All right? Now remember, the we're getting back there. I'm going somewhere. Follow me because the church at Corinth had a lot of sexual immorality running throughout the body. And I got sensitive to know that sexual immorality is a sin that is pervasive even in the church today. But nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to say, well, you know, pastor, that's, that's a little old fashioned. You know, a uh, pastor, you really you really think that people are. God. Well, listen, all I'm saying is, is God called upon us to be transformed. He says here, he says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God for because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Verse number two. Let's go. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Now, how is God going to transform us into a new person? By doing what? By changing the way we think. So that means, as a born-again believer... I have to be in a constant state of having my thinking transformed because my natural human fleshy bent is not to think about the things of God. Are y'all still with me today? My natural bent is not to, to, to wake up every day with my mind. Stayed on Jesus. Woke up this morning with my mind. Stayed. Y'all, y'all don't know anything about that. It's not your natural bent. So we have to work at allowing God through his word to transform our thinking. Well, I said don't copy the behavior and custom of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing. And perfect. Now, listen, hear me carefully. I need y'all to dial in with me today. Every last one of us in here have to learn how to do this because every last one of us in here, if we're honest about it, and I believe in being honest, all of us have areas in our life where our thinking does not line up with God's thinking. And God's desire for each one of us is for us to experience transformation. But he's going to transform us when he says, I plead with you to let your bodies be a living sacrifice. That does not happen without a transformation in the way we think. Now, I, I shared this with you one time before. Now, listen carefully, we're going to get back to our scripture text. Our behavior and what we do on a, on a regular ba- basis maps out sort of a small road in our brain, okay? that creates a a, a pathway for your thought life. Let me say it again, our behavior maps out a a small road in our brain that creates uh, a, a, a basic pathway for our thoughts. And as you repeat, hear me carefully, as you repeat a particular behavior, your brain builds a bigger highway, okay, that allows for an increased volume uh, and frequency of thoughts to move about. In other words, it starts out with a, with a pathway, and the more you do something, the more it, it gets bigger, and then more thoughts come. Are you with me today? That's why when you, listen, since, since we're talking about sexual immorality, that's why, come on, can I talk to some grown-up folks in here, and some young adult folks up here, and some teenage folks up here? Let me talk to you like 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 a pastor. All right. That's why when you had sex with him, when you had sex with her, come on. Then all of a sudden you start thinking about him and her on a more regular basis and you want to get with him and her again. Oh, y'all don't want to go with me this morning, right? That's why you couldn't keep your mind off of her. In the words of Ray Parker, Jr., I'm in love with the other woman. My life was fine till she blew my mind. There's some mind blowing going on in the church today that is not in line with God's will. And it starts out with a behavior and that behavior, amen, opens a pathway for your thought life and your thought life drives you to repeat that behavior i need somebody to give me an amen up in here on that one. Now notice something here. Because again, what is God trying to do? God is trying to train, ch- change us. Every day that we're alive, none of us get good enough not to be changed. Some all right, can we keep moving? Well, so so so, so a bigger highway comes and that allows for increased volume and frequency of thoughts to move about. The result in your, this, this results in your day-to-day action, what you do on a normal basis. In order, now listen to this, in order to change your behavior, you must reprogram your brain. Can I get a witness? In order to change your behavior, in order to change your habits, in order to change the way you are accustomed to doing life, to line it up, with what God's word says, even though you may not feel it, you may, you, you may say, Pastor, I, I just don't see it, in order to change it, come on, in order to change your behavior, you got to reprogram, reprogram your brain because you built that highway and that behavior is following those thought lines, okay? You got to repro, you reprogram your brain. You have to deconstruct an existing highway And replace it with the new one. And this process takes time. How many of y'all drive up Benton Road on a regular basis? If you notice, for the last, I guess almost the last year, they've been doing construction on Benton Road uh, in Bozier Parish, probably the biggest highway uh, because of all the residential growth going north. Uh, That that highway, because, and it's also a state highway, which it connects uh, from Arkansas. We cross the Arkansas state line, it turns into Highway 3. So you have people traveling through, going to other places, and so that road has a lot of traffic on it. So what they what they're having to do now, in order for that thing to remain a smooth pathway, they have to they have to dig up some stuff. Can I get a witness? And in the digging up process, there is inconvenience. Oh, y'all don't hear me today. See, in order to deconstruct and reconstruct or reconstruct. There has to be some tearing up. And the tearing up is not very pleasant. It is not pleasant to stand in that line and you late for work. How many of y'all with your silly self got out of the line, crossed over the airline in order to get over the airline and find out it was blocked up because some other crazy folk did the same thing you did? Can I get a witness up here? The deconstructing process... It's not it's not pleasant. We don't we don't like it. We want a new road. But we don't like the construction. Listen, how many of y'all live north on the other side of the lake? How many of y'all uh, had to take the detour for a whole year and three months? Two hours, now four hours, and I counted down the days, brother Carl. That, that that Black Bayou bridge where we live. We now here's here's the killing part of it. We live right close to the bridge. <laughs> Now, if you weigh way over here and have to go around, it's not as bad, but we, we're right there, and we can see it. I told my wife, I said, you know what, don't like they quite fit, but I think I can get across there. <laughs> A whole year and three months, it, it, it inconvenienced us. Are y'all with me? Yeah. But man, when I drive across that thing now, Jerry, the lanes is wider. They got a shoulder over there. If you want to fish from the bridge, you can go up there and fish from the bridge if you want to. But progress requires some disruption. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Can I get a witness? So, so, so you have to deconstruct an existing highway and replace it with a new one. This process takes time. I did not like it. I was impatient. And, and even on the day they were supposed to open the, the thing, they couldn't halfway open it because people were trying to go across it while the guys was trying to strike the bridge. We send word out, stop, stop, quit. Because it's inconvenient. It takes time. The Bible teaches us to be transformed by the renewing of our mind through the power of God's Word. Guys, in time, the result is the formation of an entirely new neuro- 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 neurological roadmap in our mind. Okay? Once we, we deconstruct, and it'll lead us to have freedom. From the past and to, and to free us to a better life in the life that we were meant to live. How many of y'all the Lord has ever delivered you from something that you were bound in since you were saved? You had some habits and some things, and now when you look back over, you say, "Oh Lord, I'm thank, I'm thank, thank you, God, I'm free from that." That doesn't happen until you deconstruct or reprogram your brain. Now you reprogram it through the Word of God, because if it's through the Word that's how God reveals himself. We keep trying to get God to reveal himself in all other kinds of ways and God says, it's through my word that I reveal myself. You can tell a great deal about someone if you examine his or her work. If I come by your house, I can tell a lot about you by how you cut your grass. If I come by and I see you cutting your grass and you blow all the clippings out on the road on the sidewalk and leave them there, (laughs) if you don't edge it, if you don't get around the flower bed with your weed eater and and, and around those areas where you can't get up the lawnmower, you just you just kind of just get on your riding more and just ride around. I know you lazy. I, ain't, I, I, know, I, I know there's something about your mindset that says I don't care that it looks excellent and glorify the God who gave me the money to purchase this house I'm going to let it look like flower bed all grown, grown up weeds all over the place that tells me something about unless you're sick or something you know, and can't do it I'm talking about healthy normal operating person It tells me something about your mindset, because anytime I cut my yard, I'm going to edge it. I'm going to blow the clippings out of the out of the crack, out of the edge. So it's not. Am I, am I, am I, am I, am I, I... do I sound like I'm narcissistic because I want to have a good, clean cut yard? But it tells me something about the person. And, 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 And you think about it. Uh. You can tell a great deal about someone if you examine his or her work. An artist reveals her personality and perspective on life in her art. A musician shows his mood and character in the way that he performs. Huh? How many of y'all remember James Brown? How many of y'all remember James Brown? Right? James Brown performed hard. He was sweating all the time, wasn't it? Talo. You ain't know what James was saying. But you knew that James lived hard. Because in his art he expressed that. I need somebody to go with me today now. A musician shows his mood and character in the way he performs. A factory worker reveals his integrity in the quality of what he makes. The work reveals the worker. Can I say it one more time? The work reveals the worker. See, when you go to do something for God, and you say, ah, oh, that's enough, that's okay. Just okay is not okay. We need to serve Him, KD with the spirit of excellence and do it to the best of our ability so we can represent our God well. So just like the artist's work reveals their personality and factory worker and the musician, it's also true of God and his world that he created. Because again... Hang on with me. I'm talking about transformation and why why y'all hear me so often talk about study time, word time. I know that everybody don't know how to study the Bible in in detail, but that's why we're coming for discipleship training. And I keep on reiterating that because I know that God cannot change your behavior unless he changes the way you think. And the way he changes the way you think is by giving you a perspective that, that he lays out in his word. Are y'all with me today? So, so just like an artist's work reveals his character, his personality, it's also true of God and the world that he created. Cre- the, the, the creator reveals himself in his creation. The psalmist said this, uh, go, pop up Psalms 19 and 1. And y'all, y'all hang with me now, because I'm trying to lay a foundation. Because I just came in and told you, don't do it. Stop that. Stop having sex with the person who you're not married to. Stop having sex with the person of the same sex. Stop viewing pornography. And a whole lot of other stuff. If I just said don't do it, I got to give you a context as to the why behind the what that I'm telling you. Watch this. The text says, the heavens proclaim what? The glory of God. The skies display what? His craftsmanship. In other words, when you look at nature, you see the handiwork of God, the beauty, the, the, the ultra-exquisiteness of the universe. You can't help but know that that didn't just happen by stuff banging together. It calls out for a creator. And so, so, so the psalmist says, again, another verse says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. In our world... We have evidence enough to believe that God is a purposeful, powerful and glorious creator. But however, there's a problem. Everybody say there's a problem. See, when Adam and Eve sinned by breaking God's direct command, God's creation was tainted. Everybody say tainted. It was tainted by sin and no longer reveals him perfectly. Go to Romans the 8 chapter right here. Romans 8 verse number 22. Can we walk today? Because what I, what I want to do as your pastor is to connect you to the vision of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so if I can get you connected to God's vision for his church and and you have a willingness to please God, then even when God tells you something that makes you uncomfortable, you don't decide to stay in your uncomfortableness. You say, I've I've looked in the Bible. I have the proper context. I know what God's word says. So now I'm going to do what I need to do to get to the point to where I'm obedient and following in line what God's word says. All right. But we don't naturally do that. Watch this. Romans the 8th chapter. Uh, Look at verse number 22. It says, For we know that all creation has been what? Groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to what? All creation has been what? Groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. God's creation it's been groaning because of sin in the environment. Are you with me? So, so, so even more important, the, the fall of Adam and Eve also corrupted our minds with sin so that we are unable to find God fully in his creation any longer. Look at Romans 1, verse 18 through 23. Let me say it again. The fall of man also corrupted our minds with sin so that we are unable to find God fully in his creation. Now, we still, we, we still can see the glory of God. When's the last time you got out there on a clear, uh, 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 a clear night sky and, and look at the stars or the moon? I remember as a kid, I used to do that. We used to have a little telescope, and we just, the, the beauty of his creation, but I, I haven't done that in a long time. But still, you can see it, but we don't see it in its fullness like it was before the fall. Romans 8, 1, verse 18 says what? Can we read together? But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Next verse. They know the truth about God. Why? Because he had made it obvious to them. Watch this. For ever since the world was created, people have seen, ever since you've been born and able to to, to have your faculty that observe that you are a human being, you've been able to, to see the earth and the sky, right? Through everything God made, they can clearly see his what? Invisible qualities, his eternal power. Look at what Paul says here. He says through everything God made, they, talking about mankind, can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. In in what he made. So they have, watch this, they have what? No excuse for not knowing God. Can we keep reading? Verse 1 says this, yes, they knew him, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. How many of y'all have talked to people and relatives who try to tell you what God is like, and they don't even know God? They try to tell you how to walk as a believer, but they're not even born again. Man will will just make some stuff up, right? It says, they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. 22, claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. Let's read. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worship what? idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. (laughs) See, God revealed himself in his world, but we can no longer know enough of him on that basis alone to have a personal relationship with him because sin clouds our vision of being able to see God in his fullness in his creation because of sin. Well, so for, for that reason, God revealed himself to us, not only by the world, but by his word. And that's why it's important. You think you're going to know God by just getting your prayer cloud, just praying. Yes, that's good. But the way he reveals himself is through his. The way he reveals himself is what? The way he reveals himself is through his what? But you don't ever spend any time in his word. Eighty five percent of professed believers don't really have a personal quiet time. Don't connect with the study group. They just feel like, OK, the Lord know me. Yes, he does. And he knows that you don't know him at the level you need to know him. Well, yeah, you made a decision to be born again, but you don't really know. How many of y'all know President Barack Obama? I mean, how many of y'all know of him? Everybody knows of him. Right? But how many of y'all know, nobody probably knows him as much as Michelle Obama knows him. Right? See, there are some people I'm afraid, let me back. In the church, there are people who I think think they know God, but they don't. And there's some people who have made a decision to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, but they have not grown in their faith. So as a result, they are, they are very limited in God's ability to use them because they, 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 they haven't learned God, because God, in this day and age, now reveals himself through his word. Because of sin, clouds the, the viewpoint of mankind and creation, God reveals himself in his and through his word. Okay? God's words are created, which y'all agree with me. Psalms 33 and 6 says, by the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breadth of his mouth, all their hosts. By his word. His his words are powerful, always accomplishing his purpose. What Isaiah 55, 10, 11 says. Uh, And God's words are revelatory, binding the one who utters them and revealing his character. Look at Genesis 27 with me right quick. Look at verse number 32. Come on. I gotta get, get here. So, so so watch this. Transformation is what God wants to do with all of us. And to transform us, we have to get to know him. And to get to know him, it's gonna take more than coming to church and singing. To really get to know him and to and to, and to deconstruct. And to reprogram our thinking from what we've been accustomed to. Because I told you on last week, many of us sitting up in here have traits that have been embedded in us by our, our forefathers, our parents, our family of origin. And we don't realize that we got some of that stuff in us that need to come out of us. I got some Paul Adams in me. There's some good stuff about Paul Adams, but there's some other stuff about Paul Adams that I got to get out of me. Monet, you got some Brenda in you. Camille, you got some Brenda in you. Brenda's a good lady. I love my sister, but everything in Brenda that's in you shouldn't be in you. Brenda said amen. See, I got a witness over here. People who are honest know that. You know you got some stuff that need to come out of you. Him and your grown-up children up there, and you trying to change them to that stuff that you got inside of you, and it ain't God. And they just like, oh mama. Everybody said, change. change. Genesis 27, 32. 27 and 32. Watch this. But Isaac asked him, Who are you? Esau replied, It's your son, your firstborn son Esau. Text says, Isaac began to tremble uncontrollably and said, then who just served me wild game? I've already eaten it and I blessed him just before you came. And yes, that blessing must stand trickster. Remember this? All right. Keep reading. Watch this. It says when Esau heard his father's words, he let out a loud and bitter cry. Oh, my father, what about me? Bless me too. He begged. Keep reading. But Isaac said, your brother was here and he tricked me. He has taken away your blessing. Esau exclaimed, no wonder his name is Jacob, for now he has cheated me twice. First, some of y'all got some siblings, you're like, "Mm mm-hmm. First he took my rights as the firstborn, and now he has stolen my blessing. Oh, haven't you saved even one blessing for me? 37 says, Isaac said to Esau, I have made Jacob your master and have declared that all his brothers will be his servants. I have guaranteed him an abundance of grain and wine, that what is left for me to give to you, my son. Esau pleaded, but you do have only one blessing. Oh, my father, bless me too. Then Esau broke down and wept. See, that was a binding covenant as God created man, and so here we see uh, Jacob having tricked his father and stole his brother's blessing, but 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 the, the act was done and it was sealed because God is a covenant-keeping God. Are y'all with me today? For, and, and, and so so we see he, he in this case right here, God's words are revelatory, they're binding, and the one who utters them re- reveals his character. Now what, what happened here, again, we see, and I don't, don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but the fact of the matter is that that, that blessing that was given, even though the other one tricked him, it was already done because it was binding. Because see, what God is doing here in the Old Testament, he's bringing us up to the point of the new. And he has to protect the seed that's coming down through 42 generations to be born in a manger in Bethlehem. Are y'all still with me today? So for this reason, God, God uses the word to reveal himself to us. Okay? There are three ways he's done this. Now just write these down. It's not on your notes. Three ways that he's done this. First of all, God shows himself to us in his son. Who is the word of God? God shows himself to us in his son, who is the word of God. Remember what John 1 and 1 says, in the beginning was the word that was with God, the word was God. And the word became flesh. All right, that's Jesus. So God shows himself to us in his son, the word of God. Number two, God reveals himself in his written word, the Bible. Everybody say God reveals himself. He reveals himself in his written word, the Bible. See, the Bible tells us about God's son intending to draw us to him in faith. And thirdly, God uses our words today. He uses our words today. See, when we teach his written word and tell about his son, we reveal God to others. Notice what I said. God uses our words today. When we teach his written word and tell about his son, we reveal God to others, all right, we reveal God, that's why it's so important, when, I, when I'm telling you something, listen, I'm not telling you based off my emotions and my feelings, and I want you to receive it not out of your emotions and your feelings, but as it is, God's revealed word, are you with me? Because if you don't do that, you'll never reprogram your thinking. You'll never deconstruct that highway that's been built all these years. And many of y'all are coming to know and understand things about God that's revealed his word that you never saw before. Right? So we gotta, we gotta, we gotta deconstruct that old highway and build a new one so that we can walk with God. God's word is always there. He, but he reveals himself through his word. Now go with me, if you will, back to 1 Corinthians the sixth chapter. The body. I'm. A, I'm. A, I'm gonna hit there, and I'm. A, I'm gonna hit on First Thessalonians chapter number four. Sexual sin is running rampant in the church. Now, let me. Can I say something? I, I need y'all to hear me carefully. This is not a message of condemnation for anybody, but this is a message to say we got to start representing our God well. All right. Watch what it says here. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is not the body, but he that committed fornication sinned against his own body. What? Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? For you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God. Therefore, glorify God. Therefore, glorify God. Where? Therefore glorify God where? And in what? Which are God's. Now we said in your outline, we said the body is designed to be a member of Christ. Did y'all remember that? The body is not designed to be the member of a harlot. The body, the person joined to Christ is one spirit. The person of immorality sins against his own body. And the conclusion is we should flee from because we should run from sexual immorality. Okay, the body is designed to be a member of Christ. Fourth, the body is designed to be the temple of the Holy Spirit. Y'all recall that? You got that on your notes? Okay. He is within the body. He is the gift of the body. He claims the body. And the body and the spirit are both designed to glorify God. So what what do you what are you after, Pastor? Well, in my body, hear be carefully. And in my spirit, I should glorify God. Now, I can't do that when I take my body and do the thing that the word of God told me not to do. Go to First Thessalonians chapter number 4. Now again, let's keep it in context. 4 and 1. 1 Thessalonians 4 and 1. What specifically were they dealing with in Corinth? Sexual. sexual immorality, sexual sin. Because of the culture Because of the upbringing, let me tell you something. Your environment will influence you. Your family of origin, the neighborhood you grew up in, it has impact on you. And so what we have to do is in order to deconstruct that highway and and build a new one that pleases our God, we got to go through a demolition process. And so as your pastor, I'm trying to tear up some of your old way of thinking. Now, I won't tell you, I'm not trying to tear it up. Based off of what I feel and what I think, I'm going to show you in the Word of God. All right, so that so that you'll know it's not me making this stuff up. But watch this. Watch this text here. Okay, are y'all with me? Let's read together. It says what? Go, go to the. NL, let's go to the um, NLT on this one. Thank you, Brother Jay. Now, sexual sin. Now, listen. But I'm say this. Many times, guys, we've gotten so comfortable with sexual sin, we celebrate it. I mean, people just as easily just rather than having a covenant commitment, they just go and live together. Let me say this. I had, uh, this this is going back a a few years, but I I had a young lady uh, who was at the time that was living with this person. And she says, you know, Pastor, we're going we're gonna to do this right. See, I'm tired of living in sin and we're going to do this right. And they wouldn't have gotten married because coveted marriage is God's way. Staying together, I use the old term, how many of y'all know what shacking means? I don't want to assume, but shacking is an old school term. That means when a man and a, a, man and a woman, a man and a woman, Decide to just stay in the same house together. I always ask myself this question, and and every lady should be asking this. Now, if if you're here today and you're staying together, I don't know that. I don't don't see anybody that I know that's living, just living together. So don't think that somebody told me about you. But I'm going to preach on life issues. And if life issue hits you, just, just, just say, okay, God hit me. He ain't trying to be picky, nitpicky. He ain't just coming after me. I'm just telling you. But why would you, and, p- and people tell me, well, you, I gotta get my finances together and stuff before I get married. you already doing everything that married people do. You stand in the same house, sharing business. What's the, what's the only difference? Hey, hey, how much does it cost now? Fifth, Nate, how much does it cost to get a marriage license? You know, I just say $75. You just got married, you don't know? Okay. <laughs> Okay, I'm just <laughs> let's just say it's $75. You sitting there, come on. I'm talking about from the woman's perspective. Now, woman, you sitting there letting that man have all the pleasures of marriage, and don't tell me you just staying there. He in one bedroom, you in another. I'm too old of a cat to be fooled by a kitten. <laughs> Don't tell me that. <laughs> Think about that. It don't even make sense. You're a Christian. You're a believer. And you're talking about, well, we want to wait till the, we get, we, we you know, we, we'll get married in 2025. In, in <laughs> how long? How long y'all been engaged? 10 years. Quit calling him your fiance, and y'all been 10 years as old folks say fish or cut bait, baby. (laughs) 10 years. If you don't know him by now, you ain't going to get to know him. What's the only thing? What's the only thing that's that's, if you really want to honor God? Get the $75 marriage license and get married. I'll marry you in my office. And I've done that before. And people got married later. They, they, the ceremony, why and, and, and you spend, oh, don't, don't get me started. I'm talking about changing our mindset. And uh, Let me say this, and this is, this is not, this is not any, I want you all to hear me, because I, I, I need us to, to, to start thinking about what we do sends a message. All right. And and God knows the child is not the sin. The child is in the child is sin. But why would a Christian parent, I am just y'all got to help me on this. Why would a Christian parent knowing that it, this is not for anybody, I need y'all to see this because some of y'all get offended with me when I say this stuff, but I'm just talking real life. And I would hope you would th- want your pastor to talk real life. This is not this is not that any individual. Why would a Christian parent have a celebratory reveal party with a child that's got a child at a wetlock. I don't understand that. Now, again, love the child, celebrate the child, but we act like that's just normal. We act like that's God's way. And listen, I tell y'all, I messed up when I was younger. Y'all know my testimony, and, and, I, and my testimony is, had that not happened, I don't even know if I'd be saved today. It scared me to, to go and seek out the God for real. So I'm not, I'm not being critical from the standpoint of saying, okay, you any worse. But what I'm saying is, messages matter. And if I'm a born-again believer, I, th- there got to be certain things I got to say, I, w- I need to live my life in a way that honors God. Again, love on the child. Child is innocent, but I don't celebrate the, the the sin that created the child. Oh, y'all got quiet on me on that one. But I'm trying to teach. So so if, if you if, if you're here and, you're, and you're just staying together, you you just stand together, need to go and say what 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 are we doing? What's 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 our long term plan? See, when, when you are 45 and 50, and, and you talking about you just you dating. And you've been doing it. I'm just saying. There needs to be some type of game plan. To first and foremost, honor your Lord. And just for you, because, uh, you know, all the, you, if, you, if you're staying together, all it takes is $75. Now, please, if you're visiting for the first time and you happen to be (laughs) staying together, I I didn't know you were coming. I promise you I didn't. (laughs) I had no clue that you were coming. This is for the folk at EBC, (laughs) the people I pastor. I'm going to love you. And and, and those of y'all that know me, there have been plenty of people who had the same scenario, and we talked through it. We counseled through it. I didn't try to put them out of church, but I just told them, to listen, let's honor God. And I thank God that they did. They went and honored God. Because what we do matters. We be talking and saying all this stuff. But what you do matters. All right. So. (laughs) Lord Jesus. How did my time go this quick? I'm trying to deconstruct some stuff. And I'm trying to put. I'm trying to lay a new highway in our mode of thinking, as a ministry, as an individual Christian. We have to start taking God's word seriously enough to where we say, "Even if my flesh and my soulless ram don't like it, I'm going to line up with it." Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Because I love God enough, and I know He reveals himself through his word. Some of y'all listen to, some of y'all waiting around for a prophetic message and God says, I just gave it to you right there. Yeah. I believe in prophecy but many of us trying to wait on a prophet to tell us something that God has already told us in the word. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll go and pay thousands of dollars to go to a seminar to, to teach us how to get rich or to, 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 to hammer our money and God in Proverbs got a whole lot of wisdom scripture on money handling. Yeah. Yeah. Right if you just read it and follow it, You went up there and co-signed for your uncle. And now you're mad at him because he didn't pay it. The bank knew he wasn't going to pay it. That's why they wouldn't give it to him without a co-signer. I did that for a living. I was a banker. And some folks, I, I couldn't help them unless they got somebody strong who I could trust. And the Bible says don't be a co Because it's foolish. But you did it I because it's different. It's different. I'm not saying situations can't work out, but follow the word. Watch what Paul says and I got to let you go. Can we pick back up next week? I'm going to stop. I'm him right here. Because I, I can't do it justice. Here's what we're after, guys, as your pastor. This last component of the spirit of generosity involved us giving our bodies to the Lord. Amen. And there's a lot of things that, that we got to get better at doing when it comes to that. Everything from what we put in the body. Uh-huh. Stop putting in everything in your body. Amen. <laughs> stop putting in everything in your body. To my food wise. Talking to all Adam of now. I'm preaching to me. Can I get an amen, doll? Amen. <laughs> God loves you. I need y'all to hear me. God loves you no matter how bad you messed up. He loves you. Yes, you belong to him and you you messed up. Yes, you went and slept with that man. Yes, you went and slept with that woman you should have slept with. Yes, you did this. But God loves you. As your pastor, I love you. I just want the very best for you. And I know that the very best for each each and every one of us is to line our our lives up with God's revealed word because God reveals himself in the Holy Scriptures. And so we're going to Deconstruct some things and reprogram our thinking, especially on this issue right here, our bodies. Jesus gave his life. He sacrificed his body on the cross of Calvary, crucified, buried, resurrected from the grave with all power in heaven and earth in his hand so that you can have a personal relationship with God and you can live an abundant life on this side. Let's start doing that. let's start doing that by exercising a spirit of generosity in what we do with our physical bodies. You ever hear about it? Right